0: Here's a question I've been mulling over. Are there things that I have missed out on because I didn't ask God for them? Uh, Are there things that didn't happen that would have happened if I'd prayed? Are there things even now that God has purpose to do that are still awaiting my prayer so that they can be accomplished? As it says in the book of James, You do not have because you do not ask. And that's what I want us to consider today as we continue our series of messages on Elijah. And one thing's for sure, our prayers are far more effective and far more powerful than we could ever possibly imagine. You know, from our perspective, they may feel rather weak and pathetic. You know, we wonder if we're being heard. We don't always see immediate results. But I'm absolutely certain, if we were given eyes to see into the spiritual realm, and we could see the heavenly reality of heavenly armies marching and angels being deployed, you know, if we could see the cause and effect of our praying, then we would pray without ceasing. It's why James goes on to say, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit." Now, this should be a huge encouragement to every child of God. What he's saying is that when we pray, it makes great power available. Right, it's implying that there is a power just waiting to be released. A bit like owning a tract of land. And, you know, it might not look much on the surface, but hidden underneath there is this vast reserve of oil. And when we pray, it's like drilling down and releasing the wealth of these untapped resources. You know, there is an inherent power that is released through our prayers. As Bible teacher Beth Moore wrote, There are parts of our calling works of the Holy Spirit and defeats of the darkness that will come no other way than through prayer." Now, of course, when we hear that it's the prayers of a righteous person that are effective, you know, we may be tempted to rule ourselves out. But, you know, it's not talking about having a perfect moral character. It's about being made right with God. And the Gospel tells us that it's not what we have done that makes us righteous or right with God, It's what Christ has done on our behalf, and that's what gives us right standing before God. And just in case we're left in any doubt, we're told, you know, Elijah was a man just like us, an ordinary man with the same passions and frailties as us, as we'll see another time. And yet his prayers were powerful and effective, as will ours be if we take hold of this today. So what can we learn from Elijah about effective prayer? Prayer. That works. Let's turn now to 1st Kings 18 to pick up the story where we see Elijah praying for the rain to come. And this is just after the showdown on Mount Carmel where fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and all the people of God got off the fence and fell on their faces declaring the Lord he is God. So we're going to read now from verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up Eat and drink, for there is the sound of rushing rain. In other words, Elijah is prophesying the famine is over, the rain is coming. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariots and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garments and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So there are three things I think we can learn from this story. First, we see prayer. Second, there is a promise. Thirdly, there is persistence. Prayer, promise, persistence. So firstly, prayer, we see Elijah praying. And there must have been a great temptation, you know, to remain with all the people after the big showdown. I mean, he was the man of the hour. He might have stayed to kind of bask in the glory of what had just happened. He could have fallen into the trap that so many pastors seem to fall into these days. But instead, he turned to God. Elijah went on top of the mountain to pray. It doesn't actually say he prayed, but that's the posture that we see here. A posture of humility and dependence. He bowed down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And as you may know, in the Bible, mountains often symbolize places where people would have communion with God. I think of Moses on Mount Sinai or Jesus, who often went up a mountain to pray. In fact, on one occasion was joined by Elijah and Moses when he was transfigured. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to climb a mountain to get close to God, because the wonderful truth is God has drawn close to us. Every believer has been given the Holy Spirit, who is God's very presence inside of us. And so we can have communion with God wherever we are whether in the car or in our bedroom, uh, walking in the woods or walking on the beach, on our own or with others. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to pray. The point is, Elijah went somewhere to pray. He was deliberate about it. So where do you go to pray? You know, I'm in a season of life right now where Emma and I will pray together when we walk our dog. I might also pray in the early morning or when I'm driving my car. When I worked in London, in graphic design, I used to go to the restroom at lunchtime and shut myself in the cubicle to pray. Jesus said, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. So when do you pray? Where do you pray? I want to encourage you not to miss out on what God is wanting to do through your prayers. And it doesn't matter if you are new to the faith and don't know a whole lot, or if you're the most highly educated Christian scholar, right? As God's children, our prayers have great power. It doesn't matter how inadequate they may seem, because it's, you know, it's about relationship, not rhetoric. It's not about what you know, it's who you know. And it's as simple as a child asking their Father, and you can be sure your Father in Heaven is waiting and longing to act in response to your prayers. As Nicky Gumbel, the founder of the Alpha Course said, When we pray, God hears more than we say, answers more than we ask, gives more than we imagine, in his own time and in his own way. But Elijah isn't just praying anything. He is praying for a promise to be fulfilled. And that's the second thing here, there's a promise. Elijah was praying for rain to come after three and a half years of drought and famine. And he was so confident that it would rain, he prophesied to Ahab, there's the sound of rushing rain, he said. But there wasn't a cloud in the sky. So how could he be so confident? Because God had already promised to send rain. At the beginning of chapter 18, verse one, it says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, "'Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth.'" So Elijah did what God said. He showed himself to Ahab, but no rain came. And yet he was confident to tell Ahab it was coming imminently. And then he prayed for it, which raises a question. You know, if God has promised something, if God has said, you know, he's going to do something, why bother praying? I mean, surely God will accomplish his purpose whether I pray or not. But that is part of the wonderful mystery of prayer, that God has ordained certain aspects of his sovereign will that can only be accomplished through the prayers of his people. Now, we may wonder, well, you know, what difference does, do our prayers make? And yet the fact is God has chosen to make our prayers indispensable. As Elizabeth Elliot wrote, things happen which would not happen without prayer. Or as the missionary leader Andrew Murray wrote, it is through prayer that the promises of God await their fulfilment. Elijah understood that. It's why he had confidence that what God said he would do. But he also understood that it would only happen when he prayed. Right? Prayer that is built on the promises of God is powerful and effective because we're praying according to the revealed will of God. And that might be what God has said in his word, or it might be what God says to us by his Spirit, through prophecy, for example. In Acts 13, when the leaders of the Antioch church were worshipping together, the Holy Spirit spoke to them to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work he had called them to. And what was their response? It says they prayed and fasted. It was only then that they sent Barnabas and Saul out on their mission. Now, when we sense God speaking to us, uh, giving some direction or indication of his will, we should pray, asking for confirmation and asking God to bring about what he has said. That's what Elijah did. But of course, much of what we know about the revealed will of God is contained in his written word. You know, we don't have to wonder what we should pray for, God has given us his word and many precious promises to lay hold of. When we pray, we are taking God at his word. We're taking his promises seriously. And there are promises that we can rely on and pray daily if necessary, believing that God will do what he has said. I'll give you an example of a great promise that I've asked God for many times and which I've often prayed over others. In fact, let me just speak it over you right now for whatever situation you may have found yourself in. It's from Isaiah 41, where the Lord says this, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You can take that promise to the bank. Right? Pray it for yourself, Lord please strengthen me today, please help me as you promised in your word. You say that you are with me, so therefore I will not be afraid. You, know, you might wonder, is it okay to claim these promises uh, that were originally addressed to Israel? And the answer is yes, because in 2 Corinthians 1.20 we are told all the promises of God are yes to us in Christ Jesus. And that's why it's good to be regularly reading the Bible and have some kind of reading plan so we can drink in these promises and allow them to feed our souls and inspire our prayers. It's good to memorize certain promises that you can pray when you are in trouble or afraid. Like, thank you, Lord, that I belong to you. And you said that no one can snatch me out of your Father's hand. Lord, your word promises that nothing, not even death, can separate me from your loving presence. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You see, if his words are abiding in us, if we know what he has said and what he has promised, then his words will inform our prayers, which means we can ask whatever we want, because if it is according to his word, then it will be given to us. Someone who lived by that verse was George Muller. I know I've quoted him a number of times before, but he really exemplified what we're looking at today. Muller was a pastor who lived in the 19th century and who is best known for the orphanages he started in England. But here's the thing you need to understand about Muller. He didn't start the orphanages primarily to care for orphans, though he did care very much for them. But his main reason was to glorify God by taking him at his word. He was grieved that other Christians did not trust God's promises, and he set out to prove that if we will take God at his word, then God will answer our prayers. So Muller built five large orphan houses, and over the years he cared for over 10,000 orphans. And what's more, he never took a salary, never took a loan, never went into debt, and neither he nor the orphans went hungry and he did it without asking anyone directly for money. Instead, he just prayed and made his needs known to God. It's said that when Muller prayed, he would have his Bible open and he'd be pointing to a promise. You know, maybe uh, Matthew 6, you know, where Jesus says, don't be anxious for anything about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. Your Father knows what you need, but seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And Muller would pray, look, Lord, You said, you promised." And he kept a record of his prayers, how God provided miraculously with people sending him money, often the exact amounts he was asking for. It's recorded that during his 60 years in ministry, he received the equivalent of $7.2 million by prayer alone. People said to him, you must have a supernatural gift of faith. And he said, nope, I'm just a man like you, but I take God at his word. And As he meditated on God's word, he would pray all kinds of promises for the things he needed, whether for justice, or guidance, or wisdom, or someone's salvation. It's said that he had a notebook in which he wrote down all the people's names he was praying for, asking God for their salvation. He'd pray for them daily, one by one, and he'd check off their names as God gave him what he was asking for. And when he died, there was just one name left, unchecked, in his notebook. All the others had come to faith. But it was at his funeral, as his coffin was being lowered into the ground, that that last person gave their life to Christ. I mean, what an amazing testimony. And what persistence. And it's persistence that is the third thing I see in this story of Elijah. Prayer, promise, persistence. Because seven times he sent his servant to look out to the ocean To see if there were any clouds, any sign of rain. And time after time he looked, and it was a clear blue sky. But Elijah didn't give up. He kept on praying. He kept on asking. Seven times Elijah prayed, and it was after the seventh time he saw a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up from the sea. The rain was coming because Elijah persisted in prayer. And why did he persist in prayer? Because God had promised. You know, Jesus told a parable, didn't he, in Luke 18 about a widow who kept going to an unrighteous judge to ask him for justice. And in the end, because she kept on and on and wouldn't give up, he gave her what she asked for. And it says that Jesus told that parable to encourage us all to always pray and not give up. Because after all, how much more can we expect our prayers to be answered since we are coming to a good and righteous Father who loves us and has promised good to us. You know, our prayers aren't always answered right away or in a way that we expect. We don't understand why, you know, we don't see everything that God sees. Sometimes there are things that He's wanting to do in us. You know, God is not a dispensing machine. He's after a relationship. He wants us to trust Him. And in His time, And at the right time God will answer our prayers. The number seven is symbolic in the Bible for completion or perfection. It's God's time and if we'll pray and not give up then at the right time in God's time we'll see his provision. So let me encourage you right whatever you're praying or longing for whether for yourself or for others don't give up. Let's take God at his word Let's claim his promises. Let's pray with renewed faith that we will see the blessing of God and that God will surely send the rain. Now, perhaps we could conclude here by praying together right now. You know, there are things that Emma and I have prayed almost daily for for years, uh, which we are seeing come to fruition in the most amazing and miraculous ways, especially where some of our children are concerned. And there are other things that we believe God has spoken to us uh, that we're still praying for in the confident expectation that God will answer. But we haven't always prayed alone. We've often asked others to pray for us and with us in community groups, prayer meetings, or when we gather with the church on Sundays, because we need one another. And one of the ways we can be helped to not give up is by praying with others. So why don't we pray right now? Is there someone you know where you've been longing to see God move in their lives? You long to see them walking with God, delivered from darkness and experiencing his love and peace. Who is that person? Just picture them right now. Maybe it's yourself or someone you know. Let's pray now, believing that they will see heavenly power released in their lives and situations as we do so. So, Lord, we pray for these people that you've laid on their hearts. You know them. You created them that they might know you and love you, but they've gone astray. And Jesus, you said that you came to seek and to save the lost. You said that no one can come to you unless the Father draws them. So, Lord, we pray, will you seek them? And Father, will you draw them that they might be saved? It seems impossible to us right now, but you said, with God, all things are possible. Your word says that you don't want anyone to perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. So Lord, will you grant them repentance and lead them to a knowledge of the truth? Lord Jesus, you promised in John 16, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Therefore ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So Father, we ask you for these dear people, may their hearts be turned towards you that our joy may be full. And we ask this in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Now here are some questions for small groups. In what ways were you helped or encouraged by this message? Just go around the group and let each person share. Secondly, is there anything you felt prompted to do as a result of this message? Thirdly, is there anything that you have been praying for for a long time? Put what you've heard into practice and pray together, asking God for those situations.